Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back for the great episode of the Tide Chasers podcast, where each show we're trying to bring you the best guests from across the fishing industry. Before we get started, please remember that you can give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Tide underscore Chasers and listen to us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Waypoint TV. If you haven't already, make sure you listen to our most recent episode with Dwayne Faust of at Real in the Adventures on Instagram and TikTok. Bobby and I had a great conversation with Dwayne about wintertime fishing on the Susquehanna River here in central Pennsylvania and its excellent smallmouth bass and musky fisheries. And today we have an awesome guest, but before we get started, I'd like to welcome my fellow co-host, Kwa. Kwa, how you doing, buddy? What's up, Tyler? What's up? Nothing much. You know, f- fishing's been a little slow, but the, the end of winter is in sight. I'm starting to think about getting back out, but I know we still have a couple of great fishing shows and seminars coming up that I'm looking forward to attending. So lots of great stuff planned for the near future. Yeah, I got a bunch of shows myself to attend and run, and I got a couple of seminars to run myself, so that's going to be it's going to keep us busy up until March, but uh, super excited about today's guest because we've already had him on before. So I'm always happy to have this guy and he's got a lot of knowledge. So I'm ready to go. For sure. And you know, wintertime fishing, uh, one of the great fisheries that we have here in the Northeast or steelhead fishing or fishing for steelhead. And today we'd like to welcome on Scott Grassy of Keystone Anglers Guide Service. You may remember Scott from a previous episode where we talked with him about muskie on the fly in Western Pennsylvania. Um, but another great fishery in Western PA that Scott guides for is steelhead. Uh, which is an awesome wintertime fishery. So we'd like to welcome back on Scott. Scott, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for uh, having me. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. Definitely. We really enjoyed the musky episode. And I know that during the wintertime, you guys are on some great steelhead out there in Erie and up along the shores of Lake Erie. So we wanted to talk to you a little bit more about this exciting but challenging wintertime fishery. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Well, maybe as we get started here, uh, first, you know, for some of our listeners who maybe don't have as much knowledge about steelhead, um, you could explain to us what a steelhead is, and then you can tell us a little bit more about how you got started in steelhead fishing. 
Absolutely. Um, well, a steelhead basically is just a overgrown rainbow trout. Um, they, you know, there's several different um, breeds, if you will, um, of them. That, you know, you get the the um, Pacific Northwest strain. You get, you know, the Michigan strain. There's there's several different strains um, of rainbow trout that that live in large lakes or living out in the ocean. And when they spawn, they run up into the tributaries of, you know, the oceans or these lakes and they, they go through their spawning cycle. Um, up here in Lake Erie, we, you know, they run up into all the tributaries basically. And um, that's where us fly fishermen can, can have the best luck at targeting them. Um, how I got started into them um, back in the early nineties had a buddy of mine that was, basically um teaching me how to fly fish and he was coming going up to erie fishing for them and so i went up and and was learning as i went um basically learning how to fly fish with steelhead which was kind of you know a tough tough racket to do um one of the issues in erie is the waterways up there are all shell bottom they're not you know there's not a lot of gravel there's not a lot of mud there's not a lot of you know good substrate to hold water with the water table up so basically you're fishing a lot of runoff you get a, a, a big rainstorm or you get snow melt the streams will swell up and then within a few days the water table is back down and you're fishing clear blue clear water again so it, it's a it's a pretty tough racket um to, to uh try to catch them at different times you know you get perfect conditions you're going to have great fishing you know you have low clear conditions you're going to have tougher you know fishing conditions so um that's basically how i got into it was uh just being introduced uh through a friend and you know like all the the different fish species that i target you know when i first start targeting them the, the harder they are to catch the more determined i am to catch them so I, uh, that was a, a perfect case with the steelhead. They were tough for me for a while, but once I learned, you know, the, the proper drift, proper presentation and, you know, where they like to hide and, and hold and, you know, the different times of year they hold in different spots and, you know, it, it, it became a little bit easier for me to catch. So um, I just fell in love with the fish, you know, from, from a long time ago. So uh, they're a great fish species. Do you remember your first steelhead that you caught? I absolutely do. I caught it in, um, you know, and I can name this this creek because it's all posted now. You're not allowed to fish in it. But um, it was a little uh, feeder stream called Little Elk Creek. And it was a little, little tiny little stream that dumped into the main branch of Elk Creek. And I used to go up into that little creek because it was, you know, the water type was a lot more uh, similar to what I grew up fishing up in the mountains of State College. It was smaller, you know, brush around, you know, so I, I kind of felt at home up in there. And I'd go up in there and not see anybody around, you know, the whole day I, would, I was up there. And I was up there throwing little nymphs. I, I, I can remember I had a little flash back hairs here. And uh, this, my my indicator went down and I I caught this 20, low 20s inch fish, but Back then, it was like the biggest thing I've ever caught, and I was just in in all of this fish, and uh, so I caught it, and I'm like, oh my god, I got to get this thing mounted. It's giant, you know. So I threw it in my backpack and freaking hiked hiked out of this place, <laughs> and I drove I drove two hours south down to the taxidermist and dropped it off, and I ended up getting it mounted. So nice. Um, I still I still have it to this day. I don't 
Actually, I do have it right here. I'll show you guys. Well, we'll be able to see it. Can you see it? Yeah. Oh, yep. that's a cool looking fish. Nice. That's my first first steelhead right there. That's a cool mount too on the log and everything like that. That's awesome. Yeah, there's there's some gravel on it and he did a good job, but yeah, I was proud as crap of that of that fish, but um my buddies ripped on me for getting it mounted. They're like, oh my God, that thing's tiny. <laughs> but up until that point, like I said, that might've been the biggest fish I ever hooked on a fly rod. I was in my early twenties and, you know, I was, I was thrilled, but that kind of lit the fire in me to want to do more of it and, and learn everything I could about the fish species. So that, that fish really kickstarted it for me. So. Now I know that steelhead are, you know, they're known for their fighting ability. Were you, surprised were you shocked when you hooked into it did it start making a crazy run oh yeah yeah it, it tore off i was in a real tight little spot it was a nice deep little run with a tree in it and uh this fish just it was running me all around i was just fortunate to land it um honestly <laughs> um but yeah um after after you know i started getting more experienced and and learning how to fight these fish you know then it, they they become a little bit easier to to handle you know they you can almost feel them well you can feel them kind of load up before they run so as long as you're able to handle that you know that that run and you don't have your drag set too tight or you're not you know i have a lot of my clients are just learning how to fly fish so as soon as they hook up with a fish they want to like grab the rod with two hands and hold the line and that's usually a recipe for disaster. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I know from my limited experience salmon fishing on the fly, I know when you hook a big king salmon, if you try to, you know, grab hold of the reel or just kind of really stop the fish right away and not let it make a run, you're guaranteed to break it off. You have to let it run. You have to let it do its thing and try to keep as much pressure on it as you can. That's exactly right. And, you know, it's a learning curve, you know, I mean, the people that I take, they're there to learn. So you can't be upset when they're when they break off four or five fish in a row you know? <laughs> it's it's part of, it's part of the process so um i i've lost bunches of fish over the years and i still lose fish occasionally you know but um usually though if you can you kind of feel what they want to do and, and counteract what they're wanting to do i have another reason people lose fish a lot of times is they just keep their feet planted after they hook a fish you know, and a fish will want to get downstream of you a lot of times and you get that 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 fish getting downstream and you're fighting it against the current and it's thrashing around with the current. You know, that's usually a recipe for your hooks pulling out or, you know, breaking them off. So it I mean, it happens a lot. So I lost yeah, lots, of lots of leaders were lost this year with my clients. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you were saying you, about keeping your feet planted, I've and, and not doing that. I've always been amazed how, like, you know, when I'm waiting for salmon, how I could be just walking around and almost slip and fall a dozen times. But as soon as I hook a fish and I'm chasing after the fish and running, then I never almost slip. I never have a, a near accident. It's amazing how that works. Yeah. yeah. I try, you know, I try, you know, with hookup, I'm, I'm, you know, there's a lot going on for the, for people and, um, so I'm trying to coach them as best as I can. And the first thing I'm trying to do, if that fish is getting downstream, I'm trying to get the client to move downstream with them and try to get that, you know, fighting them across the creek, 
you know, letting them fight against the rod and the current at the same time. I like to keep, a, you know, that rod pressure to the side, you know, and that usually defeats a fish, you know, pretty quickly. So, Awesome. Well, you know, I think a lot of anglers, uh, you know, ourselves included, dead of winter, you know, it's cold outside. You're thinking about, okay, maybe I'll use this as an opportunity to get my tackle organized, tie some flies, watch some videos on YouTube. But wintertime is prime time for steelhead. So what makes wintertime and what makes Erie such a great place to go fish for steelhead? Well, there's lots of fish in the creek, so that's that's a that's a big advantage too, you know. And they and it's unlike salmon; these fish are you know have to eat. You know, they're not going up spawning and dying, so they have to continue to eat through the winter. Or they're gonna you know they'll they'll die. You know, they they need nourishment. They need to eat, so they, they you know, that works right into our our uh, benefit. You know, um, they they go through periods where they're tight lipped. They go through periods where they bite real light. You know, those are challenging days. I just had a day last week with clients that they were biting real, real light, you know, but you need to be able to uh, adapt your fishing technique to being able to catch them when they're biting light or, you know, there's days where you just have to grind the crap out of them, you know, and you'll get your handful of bites through the day and you just got to make sure that you land your fish and don't lose them. You know, that's, that's the, the difference from having a, a bad day and a good day on, on the Erie trip. So what exactly about wintertime though, uh, makes it where the steelhead in our area, make the transition from moving from the lake into the tributaries. Well, they're just driven to spawn for that spawning drive. So they'll start running up in this, you know, the early fall I've had banging, uh, booming days in September before up there, you know, you had, overly cold weather in September with lots of rain, you know, you'll get fish running up into the creeks and I've had awesome days in September, you know, but for the most part, you know, that and get in October, fish start moving in, they want to start spawning, you know, they start coming up, you know, and you'll have some fish that come up and spawn and they run back out in the lake. Other ones will come up and, you know, we've caught the same fish in some of these runs for months on end. <laughs> you know different clients catching the same fish um but uh you know I, they they just come up there and hang out you know a lot of them are holding over until the spring they'll you know spring's another great time to fish for them you'll have fresh fish running in the spring you'll have the drop back fish dropping back to the lake that we catch a lot you know it's different waterways you'll have more fresh run fish you know we start fishing in ohio quite a bit more in the springtime um, Ohio gets a lot of good spring run fish. Um, Erie gets a little bit tough in the springtime. The later in the spring you get, um, you get a lot of suckers running into the creek. So it makes it really hard to actually target, you know, the steelhead. Um, it's because the suckers, you know, are just overwhelming these runs and the holes and stuff like that. You could literally walk across their backs, but, um, but yeah, they're, you know, we, we, catch fish from September usually through April, early May. I've had people catch them in June before just because I'll do um, smallmouth trips on the tribs uh, for through May and early June. So there's, there's some June, June days where I've had people catch steelhead and smallmouth at the same time. So they're, That's they're kind of a great day. Yeah. They're, I have, I had a couple guys that specifically came at that time 
you know, to, to try to do that, you know, and they, and they were successful at catching steelhead and smallies at the same time. So that would be me. I'm the fair weather guy. This, this cold water fishing. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. But, and early, and well, earlier when you said you got to keep your guys, I like, keep your plant, feet planted. That would be me because I am not the most delicate and balanced guy running down the creek. Uh, you can ask Bobby. You can ask Tyler. Every time I'm in the creek fishing with them for rainbows and trout, uh, I'll fall in at least three times a day. Easily. Well, that's most people, honestly. So you wouldn't you wouldn't it wouldn't be just you so i mean i've i've fallen before it's easy it's easy to do okay there right, you go so, You're, you'll have company at the campfire drying out there after, we go perfect if you fall in all right i mean before I, you I actually, start... mm-hmm. hey let me interrupt you real quick i got i'll actually have a video drop in here um probably next week i have a client the other day that he's an older fella and i promised him i wouldn't do this but i have to i, I was looking at the video earlier um, I, I had two older fellas and um, I was with the one guy and I heard we heard something fall, you know, splash below us. And here the older guy was hooked up, but he's like sitting in the water with his rod up and he's fighting this fish as he's sitting in the water. <laughs> so I got to I got to post that video. It's it's awesome. I'm going to make a star out of him. So did you he, guys have did he land it. Uh, yeah, there's. <laughs> yeah. There's another part of this story that I'm not proud of, but yes, we landed it, but we did not get a picture of it. And it was the biggest fish um, in the two days that they fished with me. So it, it was unfortunate. Um, we dropped the fish trying to get a picture. So it was, uh, a, it was, a, it was a, over, it was probably a 33 inch uh, fresh chrome fish. Wow. Um, wow. Just absolutely a stud of a fish. And I feel so bad for him, but it is what it is yeah, that's still a legendary moment in my book you're catching a steelhead yeah, sitting down in the creek that's it's a memory that. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely Carl, go ahead i think you had a question yeah i did all right so for those steelhead noobs like myself uh so i just want to understand these so technically in theory steelheads are rainbow trout right so yeah, they're just rainbow and, trout. So they're just, but they're just giant mutated rainbow trout that run to the lakes because they think it's the ocean, right? So the comparison, what I've from what I've read, real quick, crash course in, in steelhead, is that yeah. so so steelheads are technically rainbow trout that have made it out to the ocean that migrated out to the ocean. If you're going to call them the true steelhead, right, the one that actually hits the assault, and then yeah. and, and yeah. then they and then they're um what anadromous, right? So they run back and forth between salt and fresh. So and then they come back up the rivers to spawn. So the ones you have in Erie are they run into the tributaries and back out to the lakes, which are technically freshwater. But they yeah. they're tricked into their minds that they think it's the ocean, so they just run out there anyway. Exactly, and they they stalk them um, in March as little babies. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll stalk them um, like in the upper regions of all the tributary, most of the tributaries. They'll uh, they'll stalk the uh, smolts, and they're you know probably six seven i mean i've seen them up to like 10 inches before uh, and those those little ones think that they were born there so mm-hmm. that's what imprints them to wanting to run back into the creek um you know when it's time for them to mate so they what they do they'll they'll start slowly working their way down um to the mouths of the creek and then run out in a lake where the walleye eat them all up and, <laughs> that's, and the horrible. Ones that, that's horrible the ones that make it um 
you know, they'll they'll go out in the lake and they'll eat, you know, minnows and, you know, all kinds of stuff out in the lake and start putting on weight, you know, and that's how they get the size that they do and how, you know, a lot, you know, rainbows that are living in a small stream out in the wild, those they're eating small forage. They're not eating mm-hmm. the type of things that these these lake run fish are eating. So that's why, you know, they don't get quite as big as what these steelhead get, you know, in, in general terms. Um, so that's, you know, that's basically, uh, how it works. Gotcha. Well, that's pretty cool. And then that chrome color, right? They get that chrome color from being out in the lakes because, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of the bows that we have here in tributaries and stuff, they have that darker color. And then you do see a little flash of pink with the dots, but like steelheads, they have more of a chrome look to them. A lot of yeah. Them. yeah. They're, they're all chromed up when they're out in the lake. And then when they start getting to that, um, so in that spawning period, they start changing and reverting back to their rainbow trout color schemes, you know, and they, and they, there's no specific, you know, coloration. There's every variation of those colors that you, <laughs> you know, go, that yep. you, you can think of. They, they come in and we caught them in, in all kinds of different colorations. So, um, the, the, the best fight is when they're fresh out of the lake, you know, mm-hmm. they, when they're full of spunk, they're challenging. Yep. You know, I've taken people, you know, guys that had pretty good um, pedigrees with catching trout and they've had trouble, you know, handling them when they're fresh like that. You know, they they don't mess around. They don't play games. So, um, it, it's fun to watch. It's they're 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 a fun game fish. So very cool. One of the things that you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, we were talking about the seasons that you fish for steelhead. Um, you mentioned a little bit about high water. And especially the high water being important in the Erie area. So do you find that, you know, that is the, uh, the prime time to go? Do you find that more fish push up from the lake into the tributaries during those high water events? Oh, absolutely. That that's so crucial to having a, like a booming day is having, you know, good solid water flow in the creeks, you know, like I said, for the most part, I mean, they, those tributaries, a lot of them almost dry up in the summertime if it's not raining, you know, enough to keep water in them, you know, it's just, it's just the nature of the beast. Um, but yeah, if you, you can plan your trip around, you know, a good rainstorm and come up, you know, and get and, and hit it right when it's starting to come down, that's like the perfect time. You'll get, a you know, a couple good, really, really good days of fishing. And then, you know, once that water gets low and clear, they're a handful again. I mean, it's, when it's low and clear, you can still catch them, but me doing what I do and guiding people, you know, what I can do and what clients can do is two different things. That's just the reality of the, you know what I mean? It's not, yeah. it's just the reality of the game, you know? I mean, there's people that I take fishing that, um, you know, could make it happen in low, clear water, um, you know, but for the most part, people that are just learning. It's really difficult to catch them in low, clear water. You got to go lighter line, smaller presentations, you know, lighter line means a lot of break offs, you know, but it's part of the game and it's part of the fun of it. You know, sure. I, I had a, I had a guy a couple years ago, he was just learning to fly fish and, um, his wife called me up. She's like, I need you to get him out of the house. He's driving me nuts. You know, he's a retired police officer. So she sends him to Erie in the fall, early fall. And he was over 20 on steelhead. I mean, they were just, the water was up. So they had, these fish had the advantage of the fast water and 
he was hooking up and they were just eating him alive. <laughs> I, I felt so bad for this poor guy. Um, I, I actually called him like probably a month later. I had a uh, cancellation. I said, come up. I said, I'm not going to charge you. Just I want you to have another chance at, you know, catching these. It's going to be a really good day. And he's like, I wish I could, but I, I can't make it up. I got a prior engagement. So, but he, his trip is the one that's always in the back of my head. You know, I, I never forget his day and, you know, how frustrating and how, you know, bummed he was he didn't land a fish. But, you know, that's the reality of, of the steelhead game, you know. I mean, I don't know if I get bummed if I hooked 20 fish and didn't land any of them. I'd be like, I hooked 20 fish, but oh, all right, well, I didn't land one, yeah, but oh well. <laughs> you, want, you want to grab them, you know, and, yeah. and that could, you know, going back to my early days, I, I, um, I had a book. I can't remember his first name. I think his name's John. No, his last name's Nagy. He had like the premier steelhead Bible book, you know, at that time. And I had his book and I, I can remember just engrossing myself in his book and reading, you know, each chapter, there would be someone holding a steelhead. And I'm like, I can't, I'm going to do that someday. That's going to be me holding one of those fish, you know, like that, you know, it's important when someone goes fishing and I, and I, I think it, that is always in the back of my head and why I'm driven so hard to get people on their fish is because I was there, you know what I mean? And I want them to hold that fish and I want them to have that memory, you know what I mean? Because, you know, like me with that 20 some inch fish, that, that's, that's a memory I'll never forget. You know, that that's important to me to help people accomplish that goal. So. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, I know from our conversations we had with you before about muskie fishing and I was yeah. steelhead, I, I can tell that, you know, you're very dedicated to the fisheries that you pursue. You're very driven, like you said, um, and, and the results speak for themselves, whether it's muskie or steelhead. Yeah, I appreciate that. It, I mean, you don't get into this business to make money. You don't get in it to be rich. You know, I, I get my joy and satisfaction out of helping people make memories and that's what it's always all about you know uh, the fact sure. that he made the fact that he made a business and a guide service out of muskie is insane you know? yeah the <laughs> it's, it's, the it's, it's, a, it's a tough game to be a muskie guy i'm gonna i'm gonna have to say that because it's never guaranteed and i've been in those shoes fishing for muskie and it's never guaranteed it isn't and it, this year this path or you know 23 we didn't land a lot, you know, but I had a bunch of people that had fish on that we lost or, you know, missed fish. You know, it's just, it's so hard, you know, to make that happen with people, you know, when you're, especially when you're just learning, you know, it, it's, you know, the muskie's just a whole different other game in itself. So. Absolutely. Well, you know, we just talked a little bit about your guide service, um, Keystone Anglers. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what kind of trips you offer for steelhead. Um, the steel, basically for the steelhead, I used to offer a two or like a half day steelhead trip for people, but I kind of nixed it after a few years because I was in, they were four hour trips, but I was still putting in probably six hours with people, you know what I mean? So I kind of just dropped it and just made it full full eight hour trip days with them because an, an eight hour trip they're fishing for eight hours that's not counting you know getting people into good spots early in the morning you know there's 
there's a lot of the variables that go into the day. It's not just eight hours of my day. It's, it's 10, 11 hours of my day. So I only offer full, full day trips for steelhead. Um, and yeah, that's, that's basically, um, and I, as far as I, I try to keep the, the limit down to two to three people max. Okay. A lot of these waterways, you'll, you know, when the water's low, you're limited on where to go. You know what I mean? You only have certain runs that have enough water in them. You know, a lot of these spots are only two person spots. Um, so I try to keep the number of people, you know, down to two or three, but I've taken up to five people at a time. You know, it's just if people work together and, you know, everybody doesn't need to be fishing at once. Um, there's a bunch of times where I'll, I'll separate larger groups and uh, I'll put two in a spot and then take two 100 yards or so up to another spot. And then they'll be hooking up and I'll be running up and down the creek like constantly all day. <laughs> Getting your steps in. I get my steps in. I'm not lying, man. It it happens. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, ideally I like to keep it to like two or three people, you know, max, but four or five is not a deal breaker for me. Sure. That makes sense. And, you know, you brought up an interesting point that I kind of remember now from some trips I've done up in New York where, uh, for salmon, where, you know, sometimes you'll see guides actually in the spot first thing in the morning you know where they are planning on meeting their clients because like you said sometimes space is limited some of these holes and you know there's a lot more that i'm sure that goes into it than just you know showing up and putting a line in the water yeah yeah i'm not going to get into my secrets to locking down my spots but sure yeah, yeah no there, i don't, there is, don't expect there you to do some... that there's some gamesmanship that that's involved with uh, doing that. So, but yeah, that's part of the gig. Um, if you wait until daybreak to start going out and trying to find a spot, you're, you're going to be, there's some days you won't even find a spot. You no, know, it's makes sense. Definitely something for people to consider, you know, if they're trying to do it on their own, but. Um... Yeah, that's absolutely right. And then, you know, it's, an, it's crucial. There's some days that are broken, you know, made or broken by getting people onto a good spot, before, you know, before the crowds get out, you know, uh, case in point, I'll just, I tell a lot of people this as we're walking into these spots, I'll tell, I, I'm always reminded by this husband and wife that I gave them a time frame to meet me, you know, at the parking lot and they were half hour late. So they get to the spot, you know, or get to the parking lot and they got to put their waders on, you know, get their snack. You know, there's another 15 minutes. Meanwhile, there's cars pulling into the park, you know. So needless to say, we didn't make it to where I wanted to go before the other people made it. And we didn't catch a fish all day, you know, that, that broke our day, not them being late. So, um, if the water was perfect that day, it, it would have been a different scenario, you know, but yeah, you just, you, it's unfortunate if these cricks held, you know, water better than they do, it would be a whole different game. And I'm assuming that just based on posts I've seen on your Instagram, all these trips are wading trips, yep, right? Yep, they're all wade fish. Okay. Yep. And all fly fishing trips as well, correct? Yep. All fly okay. fishing. Cool. Yeah. We, um, this, as far as the gear, you know, seven, I, I have all the rods if people don't have them, but uh, seven and eight weights seem to work perfect. 
you know, we just run drifting setups for the most part. In the spring, we'll start um, throwing streamers a lot more when the water starts warming up. Um, especially over in Ohio, they, those fish over there really love streamers. And um, we catch a lot on on nice, uh, good streamer bite. So, Do you have a preferred setup that you love to use for steelhead? I mean, me personally fishing or for my clients? We'll go uh, you personally fishing. Uh, me personally, I I honestly like throwing streamers. Of course, um, I don't. Un unfortunately, I don't get a ton of time. Like if um, if I have a trip coming up and I haven't you know been up there for several days, I'll go out and scout the day before, and I I usually just throw a streamer just because I can cover water fast, and I'm not overly concerned about catching fish. You know, I'm just looking and checking spots out, you know, seeing if there's fish around. Um, streamers let me do that a lot more efficiently and quicker. And I can be on and off the water before the crowds because I don't I don't really like being around a lot of people. So um, but for clients, the the egg with the white death, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the white death pattern. It's a little little streamer pattern, Lake Erie Emerald Shiner looking pattern we'll drop that off off an egg and um so it gives the the fish two different flies to look at and some days are on the egg and other days are on that streamer so um they're a real good um it's a real good setup for people that are just learning because if their drift isn't perfect if there's drag on it you still have that little streamer swinging around so you know the fish will eat that still they don't need a perfect drift for for them to eat that so it kind of sets clients up for success yeah that's kind of interesting that's one of the things i've heard about steelhead is you're either going with you know a really big fly like some kind of a streamer or you're going really really small with something like an egg pattern you know yeah. either like i said either one extreme or the other yeah the the thing with these fish i mean you can i mean take that guy that book i was telling you about he had um there were so many different fly options in his book, but after knowing, you know, learning the game and doing it for so long, like these fish will eat literally any well-presented fly, you know what I mean? Like you don't have to get cute with them, you know, just present the fly properly. They're going to eat it, you know, if they're hungry and it's, you know, the water's good, they're going to eat, you sure. know, where you get in, uh, having to worry a little bit more is when you get real like kind of high muddy water then you got you know i go to chartreuse like bright colors a lot more um clear waters i go with more natural you know lighter pastel colors um but other than that you don't have to get fancy with them you know like you like throwing streamers throw streamers enough and you're going to catch fish you know you like drifting eggs just keep drifting. You'll, you'll find fish that'll eat eggs. You want to use nymphs. You know, you'll find fish that eat nymphs. You know, there's, there's no magic fly with these fish. You mentioned about proper presentation being key. What would you say are some tips um, for someone who's starting out as far as what's the proper presentation they should make or some, you know, do's and don'ts when you're presenting your fly to a steelhead? Uh, one thing that I've noticed is um, every, I'll get people that want to use their own gear sometimes when they come. They want to use their own rods. And a lot of people have nine-foot rods, which, you know, nine-foot rods is not a game breaker. But 
you know, having a little extra length on your rod literally helps you drift better. You know what I mean? You can reach a little bit further. You can keep that drift a little more natural. There's a little less, you know, you can pull your fly line off the water a little bit better with it. You know, um, I just think a little longer rod is, is the most, uh, optimal decision for someone that wants to start chasing them, you know? Cool. And is it something where, you know, once you're presenting your fly, you really don't want to move the line too much. Do you want, do you not yeah, want to make I, a lot of men's? I, yeah, I try to keep, I try to get people close enough to the drift that where they don't have to mend a lot. You know what I mean? Like try to get a not tight lining in a sense, but being close enough that you don't have to have a lot of fly line on the water. Um, I'll get people that want to move that, flip that indicator a lot. And I try to, you know, and instruct them not to try to move the indicator if they can't help it, you know, because if that indicator is bouncing off the water, what do you think your flies are doing? You know, they're bouncing up off the bottom, you know, you want those flies on the bottom, you know, consistency with your cast, always casting upstream at the, at the, uh, good angle to let your flies get down is essential sometimes, you know, I get, I see people getting lazy sometimes and not throwing completely upstream and they're throwing here in the current and flies are never getting down to the bottom where the fish are, you know, by the time you're at, at the end of your drift. So that's just little things that I work with people on through the course of a trip and, you know, extending your drift at the end. A lot of people want to pull that, that drift up a little bit too soon they don't want to try to extend it anymore sometimes you know you extend it another couple feet that's where the fish is going to come and and it happens more often than not when i teach people that that technique um that they catch fish i mean it, it happens quite a bit so uh, that, those are that some makes sense the... i know like when i'm trout fishing especially in like late fall early winter um if i'm using an egg pattern i'm amazed how many times if i just let that egg pattern swing and even just if I hold it at the end of that drift and it's just kind of flailing around the current, how many trout end up coming up and biting the, the eggs? Smashing it, yeah. Yep. Yep, I'm telling you, it happens a lot, you know. The more you can, those flies are on the bottom, the the long, the more they're fishing for you. So the more opportunity you're going to have for the fish to eat. So, um, it, it, you know, once you implant that thought into a client's head, then they understand, you know, what's going on. And then, you know success comes with that awesome yeah that's great advice um i know we, we mentioned a little bit earlier you talked about some of the ways um you know that you fight a steelhead what would you say are some of the most important tips for once you hook up on a steelhead well the most important is feel what the fish is going to do you know what i mean sometimes when you set that hook you know, you'll just have some fish will just sit there and just flop their head. You know what I mean? There's no really no reaction you need to do other than to hold them there. Some fish, you set the hook and they tear off and want to run upstream or downstream. You need to be able to counteract what they're doing. You can't just stand there and let them run 100 yards downstream. You know, you need to you need to get on your horse, get to the bank, cut the angle off on them. You know what I mean? And start start kind of manning up on them and and uh putting a little pressure on them you know there's a there's a fine line with putting too much pressure and not enough pressure you know there's just a happy medium and that comes with the more fish you catch the 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 more you learn how to do that you know and you know the people that 
what I take, they go for these things once or once a year, most of them, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's hard for them to really, you know, be up to what, what's going on. So that's my job to, to kind of help them through the process, you know, um, the biggest thing I got, like I said, is people, they'll set the hook, the fish will run downstream and they'll just stand there, you know? So I always tell them, get your ass moving, you know? <laughs> they, I would they think love that, me. I would think one of the things, to, <laughs> well, you're, you're helping them hook 20 still at in a day. I would too, regardless if you're telling me to get moving downstream or not. Yeah, I had a couple, I had two older fellas the other, last week, they were 30 for 87 in two days oh, oh my goodness <laughs> i'm like you guys are killing my average i'm like you guys are killing my average what the <laughs> oh i see i think 35 for 87 is good if i hooked if i hooked it, 87 still had in two days and landed 35 i'll take i'll take that out. i'll take that they they that was a classic example they had fish that were biting real light you know what i mean like they were just you know, and you can tell when you're you're catching fish on a little streamer and it's like out like right on the tip of their mouth, you know what I mean, that they're eating light. So there's nothing you can do about those lost fish, you know. It, it is what I it is. But one thing that a lot of people probably do too is if they're newer, when they go to set the hook and you tell them to put pressure on the fish, they try to just pull the fly rod back further towards themselves when in reality, with a big fish, what I've learned is you got to lower the fly rod down to the side and then kind yeah. of pull. I like the side pressure and I like to have, I like to be constantly fighting that fish from, from a, you know, horse, whatever. Is that horizontal this way? Yeah. Um, because then that way they're fighting your, the pressure of your rod and, and, and the current at the same time. So it seems to work out best doing it that way. And I'm sure with this many people, you know, fishing in an area at the same time, there's probably some kind of an etiquette, you know, when it comes to uh, fighting a fish that's trying to make these big runs. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Well, honestly, I don't really run into any issues with um, having other people. Uh, like, I, like I said, I work really hard to get my clients away from any crowds. Um, so we really don't have to worry. We have to worry a lot of times about our, each other, you know what I mean? <laughs> so if, if, you know, we're, I got two or three people working, you know, a, a run, some, someone hooks up then the other two, it's customary for them just to pull out of the way, let the, you know, let that fish get caught, you know? Um, but there's been days I, I've had three, I've had th three fish in the net a bunch of times before three people catching fish at the same time. And I almost had a, I almost had four in a net two springs ago. Um, but the fourth guy lost his before I could net it. So that, that would have been a highlight getting four fish at one time. That's a pretty big I, net. I think, yeah. I'd <laughs> yeah. Say. That's pretty. He brought his musky yeah. net. He brought his musky net. I know I it. had my musky net. Yeah. We could have fit 20 in. <laughs> I think if I was a guide and I had a couple of anglers out there and they're hooked up on three steelhead at once, I'd, I don't know I, what I would do. I, I, I don't think even I'd know who I'll run to like, first. Which, yeah, which way do you go? Well, you just kind of take them in as, you know, whoever's getting their, beating their fish the best, you know, you go to that one. Um, you know, some fish are, are meaner than others, so they take a while to get in. So, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Some steelhead are meaner than others. 
Um, they're just, yeah, they're just like us. <laughs> well, you know, part of steelhead fishing is dealing with the cold, right, in the winter time. So, what are some tips that you have for managing the cold and the conditions that you're going to be facing? Um, just dressing appropriate. You know, it would, it sounds cliche, but just dressing in layers, having, you know, quality jackets, quality hat, quality gloves, you know, um, hand warmers. Um, one of the big things I always tell my people is, you know, when they're fishing on, and this is extremely cold days, you know, and you're wading in 30 some degree water, you know, take a break, walk up and down the creek, get that blood circulating in your feet and your legs. You know, that's huge for for keeping you warm throughout the day right there. You know, um, some people bring thermoses with coffee or tea. You know, that's that's a, something nice to uh, kind of warm you up and make you feel good. Some people tip the brandy or scotch <laughs> in a flat. <laughs> that's after right. you get the three whatever, in the net, whatever. right? Whatever works for you, you know, but yeah, um, that's, that's basically the best, the best I can think. Yeah. That's good advice. I know my feet are always the first, first one to get cold, you know, mm -hmm. when I'm out there, especially trout fishing and like late fall, early winter, my feet are the first ones to get cold. And like you said, I eventually I just get out, try to walk around a little bit and warm up. Yeah. I mean, I, I wear um, Bombas. I don't know if you know what brand those are. Bombas. They're just normal socks. That's all I wear all winter. And um, I just make sure I get out and walk a little bit. You know, if they start getting too cold, that's kind of like the best thing to do. Um, I, I've had people buy electric socks. I had one guy buy electric socks and they he, fell, he fell in and got all wet and they started like sparking and stuff and <laughs> I, got I, don't know. I got them i got them they suck they don't work i don't nothing yeah i don't know if they're worth it or not so no no they don't they aren't for me i think it's about three four hours max walking in those cold creeks before my feet start feeling like bricks so i walk around yeah. like, i don't feel my feet but they feel like heavy walking around in cement <laughs> it's cold how about how about keeping the ice off your uh fly rod and fly rail? guides and lines yeah that's me that's me. I'm the icebreaker. I'm the all-time guide cleaner. That's probably <laughs> the worst part of my job, honestly, right there. So my fingers get my fingers will be, you know, they're they're not bad right now because we have kind of a mild uh winter so far, but my fingers will get all cracked and broken and you know, but that's from pin, you know, breaking ice off a of line and and eyelets and and all that. Um another thing too is you gotta watch uh, my reels. On my rods are all sealed drags, but um, sometimes that fly line getting wet will freeze, you know, the spole to the actual housing of the the reel. So you gotta, I gotta, you know, always be cautious of that. That's happened um, a bunch of times where that's frozen. So someone will hook up and the line won't strip out. You know, it'll be like just the frozen block. So I'll have to break that free real quick for for people so that's that's another piece of advice that i would recommend just people watch that you know what, yeah, why, that why do you guys or twice why do you guys put yourself through this torture I, some some days i ask myself <laughs> <laughs> you gotta ask hard, yourself something you gotta ask yourself someday so one why am i out here why is my guides frozen my feet feel like bricks my spool is frozen my hands are cracked 
why am I out here doing this? I, well, I could be I could be at nine to five in a warm building, right? Well, I that's exactly why I don't mind being out there in the because <laughs> I've been on the other side of it in an office, you know, answering the people that you know don't deserve. You don't need to, you know. I don't need to go further into that. Yeah. But um, yeah, my job's awesome, so I'm. I I um will never get back to that office life. No, definitely. Well, you know, I think what it comes down to is if you've gone steelhead fishing, if you enjoy doing it, you know the challenges that are associated with it. You know, you know that it's just part of the deal. That's what you're signing up for. And you know, for someone that loves to do it, like yourself the drive to chase a steelhead down a creek is, you know, a greater motivating factor than worrying about the cold or the conditions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, you know, another cool thing that I just popped into my mind too, is like starting in the early fall, you got nice weather, mm -hmm. you know, it's that fall weather. It's nice. It, you know, the changing of the seasons that I vibe off of that, you know, then you get into the cold in the winter and you're breaking ice just to get, open water to be able to get people fishing you know and then you got the spring the spring starts to warm up you know what i mean i'm going through that whole cycle every every you know fall through spring i'm going through that cycle and i always love that springtime because there's less people up there you know what i mean it's warming up it's like you know the trails that were beaten down all season or or you know the plants are coming back to life and on those trails you know what i mean you're not seeing you know, it's just a cold time in the springtime up there. I just love it. Um, but I just, it is what it is. It's it's just a great fishery. And I, I highly recommend anybody that's never done it to to give it a try. Uh, that's that's a great way to put it. I'm, as you were describing it, I'm picturing here, I'm sitting here picturing the leaves changing and the snow falling. And then all of a sudden everything starts to turn green again. You can hear the birds yeah. chirping. Yeah, exactly. That's, I was just, that's I was just trying to persuade Tyler early before we got on, I was like, Tyler, how far is it from you to you to Scott's? He's like about five hours. I was like, I'll drive to you and then you drive to Scott's and we'll fish all day. So I can sleep in the car because I'm not making that drive for me to him is like eight. <laughs> I'm like, Tyler, well, I you had, drive. I had a guy um a month or so ago. He he was he was coming with another guy. Well, the other guy had to bail out because his wife got sick. So this guy got another guy to come with him. Um, and in the morning they were supposed to leave. The guy texted him and said, Hey, I got COVID. I can't go. I'm sick as a dog. This oh, dude geez. drove seven hours by himself to come fish. You know what I mean? He felt, you know, and he very easily could have just bailed out, you know, and left me high and dry on a two day trip, you know? Um, but he still came anyway. He had the absolute most perfect water conditions that you could ask for. And he had two freaking banging days of just unlimited fish, you know, each day. So he was so deserving of those days. But um, yeah, it's it's a commitment to drive here from you know pretty far away. But it's I wouldn't steer you wrong. It's it's well worth the trip, man. Just to experience it, you know, you you, you can't get wrong. Tyler, uh, this might be better than driving our butts to Pulaski and freezing to death. This doesn't sound too bad. Oh, definitely. Hey, at least I don't have to leave the state. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't have to get a new stamp for my uh, my my license. Exactly. Just, yeah, come in. You know, the end of March, early April. You guys would have a blast. I'm telling you, nice water through streamers. You guys would have a blast. 
yeah, I need to, I need to do some steelhead fishing. I've never done it before. You know, I know people that have done it and I feel like it's getting closer and closer to the day where I'm actually just going to go ahead and do it. And I know it's going to be a blast. Yeah. And I think I'm going right, to, I'm thinking I'm going to bring my wetsuit. That's, that's <laughs> the easiest thing, dude. If I fall in, I'm okay. I'm hundred percent going to be dry. I'm bringing my wetsuit. You're not going to fall in. And, and you know, these waterways are not, I mean, depending on where we go, usually they're not too treacherous. So, okay. Where you got to watch is like right now or not right now, but you know, this time of year when it's, you know, ice and stuff like that, it gets slick and mm -hmm. slippery. And Tyler, where do you live again? I live in Lancaster. Oh, in Lancaster. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. So probably, probably roughly about five hours from some of the areas where you're at. Yeah. I can't believe you never was up there before. I have been up there before, but it's been a while and I haven't done much fishing when I've been up there. But um, now actually a lot of my family is from Western PA. So like there's many stories about like my dad, and my grandfather fishing up on Pimatuming and Conneaut Lake and some of those areas yeah, uh, yeah. when my dad was younger. Nice. Yeah, it's a good area. I love it up that way. Yeah, there's a lot of great fishing up there. I need to I need to do it, whether it's steelhead or musky or even i have my bass boat too i was thinking about maybe taking that up someday you know lots of good water up up your direction no Absolutely. Def definitely yeah. musky definitely musky we're gonna make a trip up to see scott for musky 100 quit talking about it and get your butts up and fish with me i'm telling you definitely, definitely, got definitely's gotta happen because first i gotta pull myself away from the stripers and then we'll go <laughs> well that's like me with you know with going out and fishing for stripers like it's hard for me not to fish for musk. You know what I mean? Like I'm so, I'm so into them that something has to be better for me not to fish for them. You know what I mean? And, I, yeah, and the stripers right. and the stripers intrigue me. You know, if they but they would have to be those big giant ones. I don't want to catch like yeah, five pound right. striper. You know that that's where I'm at with it. So. Or your yeah. uh, your sharks on the fly down in the Florida Keys, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a classic example. Those are a step above the muskie, so that's why I do that. <laughs> Extremist, man, extremists. <laughs> well, before we get to the end, maybe we can uh, end on some best memories that you have of steelhead fishing. What are some of the good stories? Man, I have so many of them, and um, I you put me on a spot to pick one. I mean, all my memories of people on their first steelhead or those are so special to me, you know what I mean? And I, every, and it seems like every year I have a fresh batch of people that had never done it before and I, and I've helped them catch their first. So those are literally, you know, always my favorite. Um, I, I got one that might help. How about, how about your youngest angler ever for you to put on their first steel? I had a bunch of eight-year-olds, eight-year-old kids are the, the that's the youngest that i've ever had and i had a bunch of them and they i'll tell you what they they've all caught fish and i had one eight-year-old or a couple years ago that he was a phenom and and he he didn't have any lesson like he it was natural to him the drift you know what i mean he like i i didn't have to like really do any instruction he literally roll cast perfect and and drifted perfect and that kid tore into the fish for for Two or three days. I can't remember. I think it was three days. Wow. Um, he tore the fish up. That kid, um, Lucas was his name. But I've had a lot. I've had a lot of that kids that age, and they've all caught fish. I've never had any of them go home empty-handed. So, um, funny story with one of them. 
um, it was spring, but it was still cold in the spring. And this kid, um, he had these neoprene waders on and I had him in this nice hole and he's catching fish, you know, but he, he was getting bored, you know, fishing. So he kept like squatting down in the water, you know, letting the weight of the, the water push against his waders and sure as crap, he freaking one point, he slipped and went down and he's under the water and he's trying to get out. <laughs> he got so soaked and, uh, his dad was so mad at him. And uh, his dad, there was like, an, I think it was an hour left in their trip. And his dad's like, we're going to have to go to the car. He was going to make his kid leave. <laughs> the eight-year-old kid walked, uh, you know, a mile back to the car by his cell so he could fish for one more. Oh, hour. man. <laughs> uh, I remember you were talking about, you know, younger kids. I remember um, it's just memory just came back to me of, I think I saw on your Instagram page, you had a younger kid who, broke a bone like a collarbone or something and was out there steelhead fishing with oh, you yeah he, he that was, was pretty incredible uh, yeah he was um i think he was 16 that kid but um yeah he broke his collarbone days before you know and he just showed i didn't know you know he shows up with this thing on him like what happened to you he's like oh, i broke my collarbone i'm like how are you gonna fish with one <laughs> so he made it happen um i i helped him like he'd hook into a fish and he, you know, he lost his first couple because he was death gripping the rod with one arm, you know, and they were just ripping them off. And, but, um, we kind of got a system together where I was like kind of holding them and I'd reel a little bit. And then, then after he, you know, the day went on, his dad gave him some of his ibuprofen and it kind of helped a little bit with the pain management. And then he was back, he was fighting them, you know, with his arm, his own arm. So. Yeah, he did real well with a broken collarbone. If that was yeah, me, I, was been, I was impressed. That was dedication right there. I'd have been home in bed. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have been too. <laughs> um, Claw, anything else that you have? No, steelhead no. questions? No, I'm, I've got enough info. I'm confident now. Okay. I know everything about steelheads. Cool. I guess there's one more thing that I thought about. Um, yeah. You know, Scott, I know you said you've been fishing this area for a long time and you mentioned at the beginning about the stocking program that the state does with steelhead. Have you seen, you know, has the fishery kind of stayed the same or have there been improvements or, you know, how do you feel about the the state of the fishery? Well, the state of the fishery to me and what I'm seeing, it seems like there's a little bit less fish than there used to be back in like those early nineties and the two thousands. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not even going to sit here and speculate why or, you know, what the difference is. Um, I just know back then there was a lot more fish, like, you know, there was tons of fish back in that time, but, you know, there's enough fish around it that, I mean, it's, it is what it is, you know, you got to go up and make it happen regardless of the amount of fish that are up there. You know, I don't know if there's, keep more people catching fish now you know i know there's a lot more fish fishermen fishing now so they they might be you know catching a lot more and um taking a lot more home with them you know that can could be part of the issue i don't know i mean i just know that there's a, a lot of people fishing a lot more people fishing nowadays um than used to fish but um you know that's that's all right it's bringing money to the area it's bringing you know, money to the fishery itself with, um, you know, the license sales and stuff like that and the Erie stamp and, 
you know, it, it is what it is. Everybody's out trying to uh, have a good time. So as long as you respect your fellow angler and you give each other room, you know, it, it is what it is. Definitely. That's, that's great advice. And when you, one other thing I thought of here real quick is, you know, um, I think a lot of us know, like, you know, handling of a trout, right. You want to minimize the amount of time that you keep a trout out of the water. You want to wet your hands before you hold it. Do the same kind of things apply for steelhead? I mean, obviously steelhead are a lot bigger than your average trout. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. You just handle them just like a trout. I mean, they're just bigger, but, um, they're, they're slimy. So they, you know, people have a hard time grabbing them. Um, I got some people that want to use a tailing glove. The only time I let people use a tailing glove is uh, if they're going to keep their fish. You know, I have some people that keep a couple fish on a trip, which is, you know, their prerogative. And, um, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're slimy and they can be slippery. So I, I try not to be that guy that holds the fish for people. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. trying to, trying to teach people to hold the fish themselves is is more important than me being in the picture holding a fish for them so um but yeah they're 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 just like any other fish you just hold them up we get a couple quick picks and away they go cool good to know well scott um before we wrap up maybe you can tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and then where they can book a steelhead trip with you yeah, they can, uh, Keystone Anglers Guide Service, Instagram, um, my G money 5381, my personal G, uh, Instagram, my website, keystoneanglers.com. Um, any of those are, are great places to be able to book a trip, um, either by emailing or direct messaging me on Instagram, Facebook, same thing, Keystone Anglers Guide Service, Facebook page. Um, you can send a DM there, you know, those social medias are good places to see like a small sampling of the fish that we catch clients catch. So those are, those are, you know, my resume, so to speak. So I let, I let those pictures speak about, you know, the service. So. And it is a good resume. That's for sure. You definitely have to, ladies and gentlemen, check out, um, Scott's Instagram, Keystone Anglers Guide Service, Instagram, see some of those great steelhead pictures. Scott, thanks again for being on the show with us tonight. I think, you know, we have a great new perspective on what it takes to be a successful steelhead angler um, and also, you know, why we should be making a trip up to Erie to come see you in steelhead fish. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I hope we can, I'm trying to think what other species we can talk about next time if you guys have me on. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. We smallies. got smallies. 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 Yeah, are we good. can do smallies. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Listen, you guys got to come up, man. Come up, like, we'll, we'll make it happen up there. I'm telling you, you guys will have a good time. Definitely. I need to just get in the car and go. Yeah, and I need to get the Tyler's. <laughs> you got All no right. time, Thank Claw. You. Uh, here, we'll, yeah. ma we'll make it up there. Yeah, we'll do it in a day or two. Make it a day one or do two-day trip. We'll be good. Cool. Yeah, come well, on. For sure. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up another great episode of the Tide Chasers podcast. We thank you for tuning in. Make sure to give Scott a follow on Instagram and book a steelhead fishing trip with him. There's still plenty of time in the winter and some great fishing ahead. Um, please give us a follow and subscribe as well. And until the next episode, tight lines. All right, have a great night, everyone. Tight lines.